So let's stand to our feet and we'll read the Word of God. Before we read our text in Luke chapter number 2, I'd like for as many of you that know it by heart, if you would quote with me John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look with me now at Luke chapter number 2 and beginning in verse number 15. And it came to pass... As the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. We see here that there are some, there's some pondering going on. There's some talking about what they had seen and heard and trying to figure out just exactly what this event really meant. And I would, I would say that if you and I were in the shoes of any, maybe I should say the sandals of any of these shepherds, if uh, some of you ladies were in the place of Mary, you'd probably be pondering, there'd probably be a lot of things in your heart that you'd be thinking about, and probably a lot of things that you would want to understand. And so I want to speak to you this morning on the misunderstood gift of Christmas. Let's pray. Father, bless this time that we have together to focus on you, Lord Jesus, as you came down to this earth there in Bethlehem. And Lord, not only the fact that you did come, but Lord, may our hearts be touched. May we ponder. May we understand the reason why we celebrate Christmas and why it is so important. And I pray that you'd just help us now as we Bring this message this Christmas day. I pray that all of our hearts and minds would be cleared of all of the the various things that are going to be going on this afternoon, the things that have went on this morning. I pray for every young boy and young girl here that I know they're excited about gifts and all the different things, and they want to play with their toys, and, and that's just, that's really, really neat, and, and we're thankful for that. But I pray that here for a few minutes, that our hearts and minds would be totally, 100% focused on the Word of God and on you, Lord Jesus, because you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Before I forget, I was mentioning last Sunday night's Christmas program, and if you didn't get to see it or if you'd like to watch it again, we do have private access to that. Um, a private uh, YouTube where you can watch that. We did record it. If you would uh, let someone here on staff or let one of the gentlemen there at the sound booth know, they can give you the link and the password. Uh, we try to be very, very conscientious when we have children that are up here on the platform and so forth, and so we don't broadcast that live stream for the whole world, but we do have private access for you. If you would like that, be sure and let us know, and we'll give you the link as well as the password. Now, in light of our text that we just read, I wanted to 
talk about some things that often we misunderstand. It was in the middle of a busy Christmas shopping season, and a man was in court who was charged with parking in a restricted area. The judge asked him if he had anything to say in his defense. He said this, they shouldn't put up such misleading signs. The judge says, what are you talking about? The man said, the sign said clearly, fine for parking here. Thank you, Brother Terry. He misunderstood the sign. Much of Christmas, much of Christianity is misunderstood as well. For many people, Christmas is simply another reason to party. We can celebrate Christmas and all of the gifts and all of the get-togethers and all of the good food, and if we're not careful, we'll miss the whole point. Christmas and Christianity are all about the greatest gift that was ever given to man, and that is the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. We quoted it together, John 3.16. What does the Christmas story tell us? Well, and I'm going to give you three simple points so that we, I mean, no matter what, we shouldn't misunderstand what Christmas is all about. Number one is that God took upon himself human flesh. This is a truth that is too great for human understanding, but nothing could be more true. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, and without controversy... That means I don't care how you look at it, no matter how you slice it and dice it and chop it up, this truth of Jesus Christ coming down to this earth, God manifests in the flesh. It says clearly, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. I read of an old missionary to Africa and and a chief by the name of Ray Buba that this missionary had had reached for Christ eventually, and he'd spent a lot of time talking to him. Chief Buba was an impressive man standing six feet, six inches tall. This noble chieftain rarely left his palace. Most of his subjects had never seen him. It was difficult to get past all the guards and have an audience with him. And those who did get in to see him could only approach him with bowed heads and their eyes to the ground. The missionary said that when he visited Chief Buba, he had to cross an open courtyard covered with white gravel. The white gravel and the bright sunlight temporarily blinded him. In the semi-darkness of the chief's throne room, all he saw was a man totally encased in white cloths which covered his entire body from his head to his toe. The only thing he could see of Chief Buba was the slit for his eyes. For all practical purposes, the chief was inaccessible to his subjects. Now, folks, when we seek to find God through our own abilities, we discover that he is far more inaccessible than Chief Buba. He is a holy God, and he is millions upon millions, perhaps billions upon billions of light years away. We don't know how far away that he is. And we have to trust that the Word of God is telling the truth when the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. We have a God that is all-knowing, omniscient, if you will, 
He is all-powerful, and He is all-present. He's everywhere at all times. And I'll tell you an amazing thing about God is that not only He sees you and hears you, but He knows your very thoughts. He knows your heart. That's our Creator. John chapter 1 and verse number 5 says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. God took upon Himself human flesh. There is a reason for that, and we'll get get to that reason here in just a few minutes. Fortunately, since we could not reach up to God, God reached down to us by clothing Himself in human flesh. And folks, that's the first thing that we all need to understand about Christmas. The second thing, number two, is that God took upon Himself our limitations, and they are many. There were artists of the Middle Ages would always paint uh, pictures of Jesus and Mary and even some of the characters in the Scripture. And you notice that some of those paintings from that particular uh, era of the Middle Ages, they always put this glowing halo or circle of light around the head of those, and especially when they would paint the infant Jesus and his mother Mary. You'd find this glowing halo that they would represent him such a way. But I say to you here this morning that Jesus was a real baby born in a real world. The line that we sing so often, and I'm not being nitpicky or hypercritical, we, we sing this, and I, I'm not going to even... I won't even flinch when I sing it. It's a good song and it's a good line, but the line in the song says, away in the manger. And it talks about the babe. And it says, no crying he makes. We sing that. No crying he makes. I believe that that's entirely fiction. Jesus was undoubtedly a baby who cried for his two o'clock feeding just as other babies cry to be fed. He was a baby who, this is hard to comprehend, he was a baby who needed to be changed. That's God manifest in the flesh. Great is this mystery. He had to be changed. He had to learn to walk and to talk and adjust to his siblings. He had to learn how to get along in a family. He had little brothers and Little sisters, he had to learn how to get along. Some of us can relate to that. The evidence indicates that no one in his village noticed anything particularly unusual about Jesus. He was a good boy, but not good enough for them to paint a picture of him with this halo of light circling his head. In Luke 2.52, the Bible says in Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He had to learn and he had to grow and he had to go through the experiences of humanity. If I could say something as a side note, not part of the message, but certainly it's worthy to be mentioned, and that is the fact that Jesus went through all the things that we have gone through with one exception, and that is the guilt of sin. Now, he did experience it on the cross of Calvary. 
when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he never experienced the guilt of his own sin. Other than that, every human condition and everything, he took upon himself our limitations. Remember the surprise of all of the villagers and Jesus' own family when he began his ministry at the age of 30? Why would they be surprised if his divinity was obvious at an early age? In fact, they said this in Matthew thirteen fifty five: Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Is this not the carpenter's son? They're scratching their head. They knew Jesus was a good boy. They knew that he wasn't one of the hellions that run the street. They knew that he wasn't disrespectful to his parents or to other people. They saw him as a good boy, but that's about it. When he began his ministry, they were shocked and they were surprised. He was a very unassuming, he was just a baby boy born in a manger that grew up into a toddler and a young, and a, a, a junior and a young adult, and then a man. And when he was 30 years old, he began to reveal who he really was. Why did he wait? Well, because he took upon him our limitations. A man complained to a friend that he had fallen off of a 50-foot ladder. His friend asked him with concern, were you badly hurt? The man replied with a chuckle, no, fortunately, I was just on the second rung. Well, folks, the Almighty God of all creation emptied Himself and joined us on the second rung of a ladder that reaches far more than 50 feet. He walked where we walk. He experienced what we experience. We never hear of Joseph after the trip to the temple when Jesus was 12 years old. doesn't show up anywhere in the narrative. If Joseph had died, now we do know that Joseph was not around at the crucifixion because Jesus looked at John and said, Behold thy mother. Nowhere was Joseph there. So I think it's very probable, uh, not dogmatic, but I believe it with all of my heart that somewhere there in Jesus' childhood after 12 years old, that Joseph, who was not his father, but was his uh, Mary's uh, husband, the Bible, the, the real scripture makes that clear. It refers to him as Joseph and his mother. If you got a Bible that says his mother and father, you need to get a real Bible because that's not true. He was born of a virgin. If Joseph had died during these years, then that would have made Jesus the oldest son with younger brothers and sisters who Jesus would have been entrusted with many responsibilities. It couldn't have been easy for him. He was a real man, and when we talk that way, we're not denying at all his divinity. We're not denying his majesty, but rather we are affirming as the Scripture so so clearly declares that Jesus was fully God and yet fully human. That's why it's a great mystery. That's why it is beyond our human comprehension that the creator of this universe, of our entire existence, could come down and become 
a member of the created race of humanity. God took upon Himself human flesh, and when He did, He took on Him our limitations. He knew what it was to hurt, even as we hurt. And by the way, that is physical hurt as well as emotional hurt. He was wounded for our transgressions. The Bible says that He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grieves. If you're grieving here today, you know, I've come to realize the older that I get, the more that I realize that when I was just a little boy, Christmas was the most, I mean, as the song says, it was the most wonderful time of the year. We decorated the tree, and we had good food, and we got to open up presents. And what little boy or little girl doesn't get all excited about Christmas? It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But for those of you that have gotten older, we end up, you know, some of the the memories of the gifts that we opened, we forget what we got for Christmas last year. But I tell you what we do remember We do remember if we lost a loved one in the month of December. We do remember the first Christmas when our loved one was not with us. And so as we get older, all of the little heartaches and the disappointments, they begin to pile up. And as we get older in life, those disappointments and griefs and sorrows will overwhelm all of the excitement and joy that we experienced when we was a child. It's the cycle of life. And I know as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that a lot of times for people, they dread the holidays. And maybe I'm talking to someone here this morning that maybe that's the way that you feel. And I would encourage you to have the same attitude that everyone else ought to have, and that is this. Look past the nostalgia. Look past the sentiment. Listen, families, families are wonderful, but Families are temporary. I'll tell you who's permanent, and that's Jesus Christ. And sometimes we just got to look past it and say, you know what? This holiday season, it's not about us. It's not about our family. It's not about presence. It's about Him because He doesn't change. And we can always find joy this Christmas season by understanding that we have a Savior. We have a God who took upon Himself our limitations. And that brings me to point number three, which explains point number one and point number two. God came down to where we are so that we might go up to where He is. Someone was once driving in the country when he saw a turtle resting on top of a fence post. Well, someone obviously had placed the turtle there as a practical joke. Why? Well, we all know that no turtle is going to get there by himself. In the same way, in the same way, we are incapable of getting to heaven on our own merit. The prophet Isaiah, who also foretold of the virgin birth of Jesus and foretold much of the Christmas story, said in Isaiah 64, verse number 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Isaiah gave us an accurate description of who and what we are. 
religion says, hey, you do all these things and we'll help you get to God. But Isaiah understood that we're even worse than the turtle trying to climb a fence post and get on top. He's incapable of doing it just like we are utterly incapable. You in your sins could never be good enough to reach a holy heaven and to stand in the presence of an holy God. The Associated Press once published a picture of cattle standing on the roof of a house. No, they didn't climb there. There were floodwaters around Fort Scott, Kansas. Those floodwaters had carried them there. And of course, as the cattle are finding refuge from the flood on the top of that house, and then the floodwaters subside, and there's a picture of these cows on top of the roof. I guarantee you, if you drove by, if you saw, or maybe you drove your boat by and you saw that, if you didn't have a camera, you'd be going to get one, amen? Just as cattle cannot shimmy up a drain pipe to stand on a rooftop, just as a turtle cannot climb a fence post, we cannot, by our own power or good intentions, elevate ourselves to acceptability before God. The coming of the Christ child into our world of sin made it possible for us to enter a new world of salvation. There is no other avenue that leads into the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ, He came down to us, to where we are, so that we might be able to go up to where He is. In 1924, an English artist by the name of William Walcott came to New York City to record his impressions of that great metropolis. One morning, he was visiting in the office of a former colleague when the urge to sketch came over him. Seeing some paper on his friend's desk, he asked, May I have that? His friends answered, That's not sketching paper, that's just ordinary wrapping paper. Not wanting to lose that spark of inspiration, Walcott took the wrapping paper and said, Nothing is ordinary if you know how to use it. On that ordinary wrapping paper, Walcott made two sketches. 1924, long before our inflated values, one of those sketches sold for $500 and the other sold for $1,000. Ordinary wrapping paper in the hands of a great artist became a masterpiece. Jesus came down in ordinary wrapping paper. But it wasn't the paper that brought the value, it was rather the artist. God, once again, came down to where we are so that we might go up to where He is. An ordinary manger, an ordinary stable, quite ordinary people live forever in our memories because the Christ child was born in the stable of Bethlehem. The ordinary became an eternal masterpiece. This is what the Christmas story is all about. God took on human flesh our limitations. He experienced what we experience, and there was but one reason that we might be made acceptable to dwell with God forever. In conclusion, at this point, I have to mention something that is not about 
his birth per se, although you take the entire life and ministry of Christ, everything was connected. Nothing was a standalone thing. He came to this earth and he came with a purpose. And the Bible even says that he was slain before the foundation of the world. Before this world was ever created, God had a plan and a purpose. God knew what he would do. He knew what man would do. Nothing has ever surprised God. So all of it is certainly connected. But at this point, we must mention that the beginning of Christ's life was consistent with the end of his life. The Bible says in John 1 and verse number 29, the next day John, that's John the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The beginning of his life, he came born in a manger as a little baby lamb. There was a reason for that. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't just because they couldn't find anywhere else to, in order to lay the baby. They laid him in a manger. Why? Because he came as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Everything about his birth points toward what he did on the cross of Calvary. He died for our sins. Why did he die? Because if he didn't die for us, we would have to die for our own sins. For the Bible makes it clear that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you hear that? The gift The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is an often misunderstood gift. Too many people think that, well, the Lord sent Jesus Christ and He's going to hold my hand and help me be good enough to get to heaven. No, He came and He died in our place. He lived righteously and His purpose is so that He can impart unto us His righteousness as He, on the cross of Calvary, took upon Him every single one of our sins. The Bible says that He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. He's not just there to help us to be righteous. He's there to make us righteous. It is a legal transaction that God does the moment that we get saved. Will you misunderstand the greatest gift today or will you receive him? And I close with John chapter number one and verse number 10. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The greatest gift this world has ever known is often misunderstood. Will you ponder this in your heart just as the shepherds did? Will you keep this in as Mary and let it be something that becomes a part of you and something that meaning? And if you misunderstand something, if you're scratching your head, it's like, well, I, I hear, I hear preachers talk about Jesus and the cross, but what does that have to do with me? How do I, what do I do with this? Well, the scripture there is clear. You have to receive him. 
and you receive him by faith. It's not a religious ritual that we receive him by. It has nothing to do with anything that, whether it be baptism or communion or church membership, it has nothing to do with what religion that you are affiliated with. The gift of Jesus Christ transcends anything that man has ever created, and it's personal. But you have to make, you have to receive that gift for yourself. No one can do it for you. Will you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today?